In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be discussing the loss against Juve in the Derby d'Italia. We'll be previewing the Europa League game against Getafe. This week's Moji, Moratti and Frog and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, on Inter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Imata Valle wishing you all back to a new, uh, new episode uh, after a rather disappointing weekend, uh, although expected. But before we get uh, to all of that, I'm going to uh, introduce uh, the panel. Uh, we have our good friend uh, Carlo Garganese making his second uh, appearance of the season. If I'm not afraid, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, great to be back. Thanks for for having me, Nima. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Um, and we also have a um, returning guest uh, who used to be on the show quite a lot. Those of you who listened through the years will recognize him. He's a Canadian. He's a Canadian freelance sports writer. Writes. You can write read his stuff on Grace Note Live, uh, where he writes mostly about American football or American egg chasing, as I call it. Welcome back, Mr. Max Deluca. Mima, how are you? <laughs> Great to be back. It's good to have you, man. Thank it's good you. to have you, man. And we are also joined by Mr. Positivity himself, although I think this week he will really struggle to be positive, all the way from uh, Dubai, into Semper Inter's own preview writer, Mr. Mohamed Nassar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, hi. I'm uh, happy to be here, but uh, yeah, struggling to find the silver linings this week. Well, you're going to have to work for it, because um, we, we need the silver lining. <laughs> So let's get to it. Um, I wanted to ask. Uh, I wanted to start with you, uh, Max. We haven't, you haven't been on the show for quite some time, so I wanted to ask you a little bit. Just starting with uh, this, with yesterday's game, um, what what your impressions were overall, but above all, also what your impressions have been of uh, Inter under Conte. Um, well, I mean, it started out really well, but it's kind of leveling out now. Um, I, what, what do you think about all that? Well, first thing I'll say is. Uh... Obviously, the loss was disappointing, and I'll get into that in a, in a moment here. But I think Interisti need a fresh dose of daily uh, perspective here. I mean, let's go back a year from this date. We're almost 30 points behind Juventus. We're dead and buried. Like, it doesn't seem like there's been progress made under Conte. But, I mean, if you asked Interisti before the season that they'd be in the thick of the title race, in early March, we would have signed up for that in a heartbeat. But given that, yesterday, I mean, they say it's the hope that kills you. And I mean, Juve looked vulnerable. They lost one nothing to Lyon. This is a weaker side than they fielded in, in five or six years. And you kind of felt if you're an Inter fan, it's now or never. And just that second half, just for them to come out with no heart and no desire, couldn't set up any scoring chances, it, it was deflating. Like, um, like Mo said, I'm struggling to find the silver linings. I mean, I guess if, it feels like there's it, there's been progress progress under Conte, but that uh, was a donk punch yesterday, and it's hard it's hard to get over. It's hard to be in a festive mood for uh, Inter's birthday today. Put it that way. Mm, for sure, uh, there's no doubt about that. But um, for me, it was I, I was expecting this. Um, I, I got to say, I, I was I was kind of expecting this because. Um, I, I've, I, you know, all throughout the season, Mo and myself, we've been saying that, you know, Inter are not, we won't even go near the Scudetto discussion until April. If Inter are, are, are thereabouts in April, then we can talk. Um, I, you know, now Inter are definitely out of the Scudetto race, but, and, and I, and I gotta say, I'm, I'm not that bothered to be honest, because for me, this was a foundation year, you know, playing Conte's football, playing, you know, having him at all, just having Conte in the building, you know, you have to adapt to him and you have to, and, and, and it kind of, it's becomes like a year zero almost. And, and, and to me, Inter once again proved that they were not, that they, they lack the, the depth that Juve had. Uh, I know that Carlo doesn't agree with me, so I wanted to to kind of get into this with. with I want, and we're going to get into this a little bit uh, as well. But for me, I, I thought that Juve were just better throughout the game from start to finish, and and showed why they are a team that is one of the best in Europe, and Inter aren't. 
I think all of that was clear yesterday. Inter can't make, can't seem, you know, they, 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 they can't seem to make it count against the big teams, and they struggled with that consistently this season. When they played against Barcelona both times, when they played against Borussia Dortmund, when they, you know, now the second time against Juve, those have been the best teams Inter have played, and, and Inter, they, they are still lacking. It's work in progress. Um, so I can't be too disappointed. I honestly can't. Um, well, well, Carlo, I want to hear your thoughts about the game. So from Inter's perspective, I, I was very disappointed with the performance. Uh, I have to be honest. Um, I think uh, Del Piero said after the game that, that Conte wasn't brave enough, didn't take enough risks. And that's the impression that, that I got from, from, from the game, that I thought that Juventus tried to win the game um, whereas Inter were mostly, apart from a, a little period in the first half, were, were mostly passive. They, they were very flat for most of the game, which is, which is strange when you consider that they've had a long rest. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it was too long a rest that they lost their rhythm through having um, such a long period. What was it, a week and a, a, week and a half without a game? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and the game against Ludogorets, quite a lot of the... the the reserves played in that game. So, so you could say it's almost been two weeks since, since Inter's first team played properly together. So maybe, maybe that actually worked against them uh, in the end. Um, but gen- yeah, generally, I, I, was, I was very disappointed. I mean, Inter barely created a chance um, for the entire game. Um, and there was, just, there was just no threat going forward. Uh, Lukaku was, was very poor. I mean, he got taken off, which is almost unheard of. Uh, Lautaro Martinez, again, very disappointed. I've been disappointed with Lautaro since since the whole the, 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 the reports about Barcelona's interest really came started to, to, to build up in January. He's been, he's been very disappointed. I almost feel like has his head been turned? Mm. Um, so, so, yeah, very, very disappointing. Um, and I mean, it was it was like Max said. It, I've felt all season that Juventus are there for the taking, so I would have just liked to see Inter go for it more. I would have liked to see them really have a go at, at Juventus, and I just feel, felt like they they never did. They just played too tactical, too passive. But that's Conte, isn't it? I mean, that's what you get with Conte. I remember, was it with Chelsea when they were a goal down against Man City and he, he orders them back to stand in like behind the ball? I mean, this is, and they're a goal down and City, City looks so confused. I don't think I've ever seen footballers look so confused on a pitch. Kevin De Bruyne is looking at Pep going, what do we do now? <laughs> they're, they're guarding their one goal deficit. <laughs> um, so I mean, this is this is what Conte does, and, and to me, I think it's kind of you know I don't know I, I I think there's still a gap between Inter and the and the absolute top, which I think Juventus are there. Sure, they were there for the taking because Sarri plays a different kind of brand of football. It's very he's an ideologue and not a pragmatic coach like Allegri was, um, and and you can say that. But at the end of the day, I think you know the the depth kind of took out its toll and 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 I think I know that you know Kedira and Matuidi people make fun of them but two world champions you know um two players that have you know at least Kedira he's won the Champions League on, on several occasions I mean he these are quality players who have the experience who know how to play who knows who know how to play uh, and 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 know what what you know 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 have a width of knowledge in terms of carrying out carrying out diverse different roles in the midfield and to me that's i think that's what kind of put put in put it over the edge i mean dubala when he came on off the bench, he was the best player on the pitch. And that, I mean, not just for the goal he scores, but also because of his quality. I mean, he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Mo, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, um, I agree with everything everyone's kind of said, bits and pieces here and there. I mean, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I have to agree with Max in, in the sense that, you know, all things considered, it's been pretty good so far. But I also agree with Carlo in the sense that, you know, uh, you're left with a bit of a bitter taste after the match, thinking that more could have been done. And maybe maybe had Conte risked more, the result would have been more in Juve's favor, possibly. But at least we would have we would have liked to see to have seen some of that fight. Um, and, and, you know, you know, I've been talking this 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 talk 
the last few weeks about maybe it's about energy management, etc. But all of that's thrown out the window now. It's clear that there is a physical problem in the team, and it's not about energy management. It's a problem, uh, like you say, possibly in depth, uh, possibly in, in 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 motivation, whatever it is. But but th- th- there is an issue. I'm not going to say a problem, but there is a there is an issue with the way the team is uh, is is performing. Uh, vis-a-vis their their physical output in in the beginning of the season, but again, as as Max said, I I I I frame this in the general sense that I I'm definitely not you know upset. What I, what I think this this the, I mean we're, when talking about silver linings, what I think this does is really highlight how winnable and how much Inter need to go for the Europa League. Uh, as opposed to any sort of uh, chance, even if, like, assuming that domestic competitions continue, uh, even then, I, I, I don't think I think Inter's best chance for for silver this season is the Europa League, and and Conte and Inter really should should focus on that. Mm, couldn't we? yeah, but that's you kind of you got me on board on that whole Europa League train a couple of episodes back when you laid out the. The, when you laid out the whole thought <laughs> process behind that, it was, you really got me pumped up on that. I, I was completely against it. And, oh, lovely, playing Bulgaria's seventh best team. Like, whoa. But no, you, you really got me. You really got me hyped up for that. But we'll see what happens there. But, um, but I mean, if we look at the, look at the game itself, I, I thought that where Juve won the game was the midfield. Um, Bentancur was fantastic in that deep lying role and the players he had ramsey ramsey's movement and mobility and dynamism was ripped into a party but neither barella or vecino could keep up with that um uh, matuidi as well was, was phenomenal and it allowed the, the the amount of pitch those three covered between them especially the latter two allowed their wing backs to completely push forward almost like wing wingers uh, like like they had four wingers, two on every side, and and that that really stretched Inter in in three five two, and and I found that to be that that was kind of what what, what where where Conte lacked some sort of response. Um, previously in the season, he's been able to get the players uh, to play like uh, to, to to kind of counter that with his intensity, but when the signal that he sends to the to the team is that he wants to defend, then then Inter are just there for the taking. And I think it, it's almost as if the game was lost before it started. Um, I, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about this, Carlo, because uh, you say that you think that there is not that much of a difference in terms of uh, de- depth between Inter and, and, and Juve. And I'm kind of keen to hear your thoughts on that. Well, two, two sides to this. First of all, speaking just purely from the Juventus side, I think that the idea that Juventus have this incredible depth in their squad is is a bit of a myth because if you break it down by each department, I mean, if you take the fullbacks for starters, both of Juventus's first choice right backs are are not good enough. Danilo and De Cilio, um, they're not good enough at the top level. Um, so much so that that Juan Cuadrado has been converted into a into a right back by by Sarri and in fact he was fantastic um last night um left back Juventus only have one left back Alexandro who's basically played the entire season um if he gets injured Juventus are in huge trouble um the only alternatives are, are basically right backs playing you know in in the wrong role to Chilio or Danilo again um then if you go if you go if we jump over the midfield and go to the attack Juventus have got three centre-forwards playing for two positions, if we're talking about the 4-3-1-2 formation. That's Higuain, Dybala and Ronaldo, which isn't a lot of forwards. And again, I think Juventus have been fortunate that none of those three have basically stayed fit for basically the, the entire season. If one of them was to get a, uh, an injury for a few months, again, Juventus would be in huge trouble. Um, so really, you're, you're, you're left with the, the midfield where there is a lot of depth, but and you may disagree with this, Nimmer, um, <laughs> they're all pretty much of the same kind of quality. Um, you know, I, I, a lot has been said about Juventus' midfield not being strong enough, and, and I agree. I, I don't think it is strong enough. Um, there's, it, it's, it's not an elite midfield. Um, certainly, if I compare it to Inter's midfield, if I had to pick three central midfielders, I would pick two, at least two Inter midfielders, um, from that, so 
So, um, so that's the midfield. The only area of the, pit, of the pitch where I say, yes, there is great, great depth in Juventus. I mean, fantastic depth is the centre-back positions because there's, there's, there's really four top centre-backs there. It's Bonucci, Chiellini, um, De Ligt and, and Demirel. And then you've even got Rugani as a fifth choice. It's not bad for a fifth choice. So there's absolutely fantastic depth at centre-back. But, I mean, if you're breaking down each department, I, I don't think there's, there's that, that much depth honestly, um, in terms of real elite depth, not, not the way that everyone talks about it. Um, and I think also, and this is very, very important, I think the squad wasn't built particularly well to a certain formation. I mean, you've got a lot of players that can only play in one system and others that can only play in another system. And the, and the, perfect, the perfect example of that is Douglas Costa can only play in a 4-3-3, whereas Dybala can't really play in a 4-3-3. I mean, they definitely, those two definitely can't really play together. And we saw yesterday that Dybala came on um, for Douglas, well, for Douglas Costa, well, they weren't on the pitch at the same time. So, so, um, so yeah, I, I think the idea that Juventus have got this great depth is is a little bit. It's not really true. Um, I think Juventus have got quite a lopsided squad that's heavy in some areas, not very heavy in other areas. So, so yeah, I think that's been. I think that has been overplayed a bit, um, to be honest. Mm, interesting, uh, Max. Do you, what do you think? Um. I just think Inter got beat by the better team. Sometimes you have to tip your uh, your cap to the opposition, and uh, yeah. and Juventus saved their best performance of the season for last night. And Inter had a dud. The wheels came off in the second half, and at the end of the day, that's the biggest difference. Depth matters, sure, but the eleven guys on the field, um, yeah, laid a dud in the second half. Um, it's Groundhog Day for Inter. I mean, one win in the last fifteen matches with Juventus. That's I mean, that's not a rivalry. It's, it's, it's one-sided. And uh, take a while, guess who our only win in, the la- in those 15 matches was with, who our manager was at the time. The mm. book. Mourinho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, he was the manager of Inter when they last beat Juventus. Like, that's crazy. Well, it was par for the course. And like you said, I'm not sure... I wasn't, I wasn't too upset. I'm not sure if it was because of the atmosphere, which we should talk about at some point. Yeah. That, that was just, I mean. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. And it, and it was funny because the players were helping each other up in the first half. Did you see that after tackles? <laughs> it was great. So like, what is going on here? This is the Derby d'Italia. But, yeah, again, it. I only lost my cool uh, at the end of the game when we, for some reason, tried to gift Ronaldo with uh, – Two goals, right? And, and, and that's the only time where stuff went flying. I, I was resigned like you. I just, I just accepted it, which is, which is, yeah, saying something. Thing is, I mean, for me, I mean, if we look at that, I, um, I, I think that if Inter, you know, after Juve lost to Lyon, um, if if Inter played them when the game was supposed to be played, I think Inter had a bigger chance of winning, whether whether or not. Uh, you know, even if it was played with 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 spectators or not, because uh, Juventus were shaken. But after uh, after a certain president got his way, <laughs> he um, they got ten days to regroup. They got ten days to regroup, and and the, and and Sarri made the most of that. Um, and I think he kind of found back to when they were looking a, little, a few a little a month earlier or two months earlier when they were kind of easily moving between the four three three and the four three one two. I I think that sure I, I agree with to your point, Carlo. I mean about the the depth in midfield being. Uh, I still think that if you look at I mean Barella Sensi Brozovic, that's a great midfield. Eriksson, it's clear that he 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 can't play. Or he's not ready today to play in in uh, in in Conte's in Conte's uh, in how Conte wants him to play. But if we if you were to compare, I mean, Vecino Gagliardini, compare that with Matuidi Pjanic or or uh, uh, or Kedira even or Bentancur, I'd I'd go with all four if we're just talking quality. Uh, I'd go with those over Gagliardini and Vecino any day of the week. Um, uh, so, so for me, when I when I say depth, I mean the fact the fact that, like you said, like you alluded to, that Juve can play can't have players that can only play in certain formations. I think that's a strength because Juve Juve can play three, four different formations in one game by making one substitution, and that 
you know that 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 creates a lot of problems for for an opponent, uh, especially if that opponent is called Antonio Conte, who really doesn't seem to have like a backup plan, and is already is kind of ever since January his team is a little bit out of form. They've been struggling to win and get the results that seem to come naturally to them earlier in the season. So I think so I think you're right. Yes, if you compare the midfield that they have with Bayern Munich or Barcelona or you know the, the top top top, then yeah, Juve maybe aren't the best, but they're not that far off. But I'm I'm just comparing Inter with with Juve, and I think that the the quality is there is a drop off in quality, and and the fact that you can bring DiBala off the bench to me says really everything. Inter don't have a player of DiBala's quality on the bench. I mean, to be honest, I I can't see who 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 Inter have on the pitch starting who's as good as DiBala. To be honest, I honestly don't, and 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 I think he showed that yesterday. I mean, that was magical. I mean, he got it like 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 uh, Max alluded to. I mean that. You know, you got to give credit where credit is due. What DiBala did was simple. It was, it was it was art. It was beautiful. There's no, you know, tip the hat. We lost to a better team. Um, so, so I think I think I think that that's how, that's what I mean when I say in terms of like well, that's what I mean when I when when I'm talking about the the difference in depth. But I do think you're right. I think it has been exaggerated, and uh, much too many Juve fans. Uh, um, much to their uh, sadness, I don't consider Rugani a, a rather good, good central defender. I, I, I don't understand. I think he's a decent player, but but the other four central defenders are fantastic, as you said. And now Chiellini's come back as well, and he's the captain. So, who knows how far this could, this how, how good this could go for Juve. Um, Mo, uh, I mean, what do you see moving forward if we just ignore? If we if we just like say pretend you know not pretend the coronavirus didn't happen but if this season kind of continues uh, at some point or in some form do you see, I mean the scudetto's out um, do you do you think that Inter have a chance to like how how realistic do you think it is to finish second or and does it matter even so to answer the second part of your question I think uh, it doesn't really matter whether we finish second or third either way it's an improvement on the last couple of seasons which have been a huge improvement. To those preceding preceding those anyway so i think in all circumstances this is going to be a positive year uh whether we finish second or not i think ultimately depends on whether napoli uh, lazio implode as everyone kind of expects them to do and and bottle it as they uh, as they have done in, in in previous seasons but again it doesn't really matter now where where if everything does continue as originally forecast, you know, with no suspensions, long-term suspensions to the league and, and, and all games can be played before summer and with minimal impact to the Euro, etc. I think Inter are going to finish maybe five, six points off the pace and it's just going to be great. Um, I, I, I'm not too bothered. I've seen enough proper good stuff this season not to care too much and like you said earlier you and i we 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 haven't been on the scudetto bandwagon at all so Mm -hmm. the fact that the fact that we were a part of it in the mix for a while is is so great the fact that there hasn't been a a spring implosion you know the lazio and the juve results notwithstanding and you know of course they're they're, all of this is being played in very strange circumstances so I, i i i've seen enough great stuff this season to be able to, you know, sit back and just enjoy the rest of the season as it plays out. What would really disappoint me is, and again, harping on, on, on the same point again, is if uh, we don't take the European competition, the continental competition seriously. That, that, that would be a real disappointment. But anything else, like even if we finish fourth, but comfortably fourth, it's a huge improvement on what we've done previously. The team is better structured, the, the, you know, uh, it's a it's a stronger squad. It's a deeper squad. It's a more uh, it's a squad that's in in more harmony. There's a coach who you know. I mean, I love Spalletti, but you know, a coach who's mentally stable. You know, uh, all due to this <laughs> with his own idiosyncrasies. But you know, so so I, I, I'm I, I'm I'm happy. I'm 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 very I'm upset at the the effort or or the the ostensible lack of effort in the match yesterday. But that's just a, a micro event. Overall, the macro like feeling I get from the season is just one of great positivity, you know. So, uh, so yeah, I'll leave it at that. Mm. Max, were you ever on the Scudetto bandwagon? Because we haven't been on so far as the show, but were, were were you were you were you ever on that Scudetto bandwagon? 
Absolutely. <laughs> you and Carlo then. Because Carlo <laughs> kept telling me. I, I was not. I was like, I was I was not having it. <laughs> I was I was I was definitely not having it. So 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 but what, what when when was it like before the season started or did you or, or was it during the season? Like when did it start? Um I'm a Conte guy. I, I really like Conte. What what he did in uh, the Euro Championships, um, almost beat the defending champions Germany with Eder as their striker. I mean, if Buffon makes a penalty save, we we beat Germany. So I, I'm on Team Conte all the way. Um, I'm usually not uh, gung-ho about getting guys from Juventus managers or ex-players or any of that stuff. But I think the way... Uh, Conte left Juventus was a bit acrimonious, and I think he has a chip on his shoulder and something to prove. So I thought it was a perfect, uh, perfect fit for Inter. And uh, yeah, um, I would say about midway, midway through the season. Anytime you're on top of the table or or in the first two spots, I mean, the Scudetto has to be realistic. I mean, it was. The, I know you and you and Mo weren't on uh, the bandwagon um, for sensible reasons too, absolutely. But I mean, it was there for the taking this year. And, uh, I think we're going to, I think the foundation is there. The future is bright. I agree with Mo on that, but I think we're going to look back in a couple of years and say, oh man, what a missed opportunity. Carlo, do you, uh, do you, do you agree with that, that it's a missed opportunity? I mean, you kind of already said that you, that you were, uh, that you, you told me before the season, that you thought Inter were going to win it. I, I kept saying no. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily said they're going to win it, but I definitely said that it's there for the taking, um, and I still believe that. I, I, I think that um, this isn't a great Juventus team at all. It's, it's full of gaps, many of which I alluded to um, before, um, and really, the way Juventus have played, and I know this is kind of <laughs> Juventus do this season after season, but. Juventus, and they played well. Like, like they played very well yesterday against Inter, but um, that is an exception to the rule, which is Juventus have played badly all season. They've been bailed out basically by two players all season: Ronaldo and and uh, DiBala. Um, if it wasn't for those two, um, you know, Juventus would be way off the pace. And and there's this there's this really good um, algorithm which is called expected goals expected assists expected points which which opta do um and i'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it but it's it's really i mean i'm not a big guy for, for statistics um but it is the best way to 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 judge how well a team or a player is performing um just disregarding the results and juventus's um expected points for the season are are 14th less than actually the number of points they've actually got. So that shows kind of how you can call it luck or you can call it, <laughs> you can call it luck or you can call it having two players like Ronaldo and Dybala who are just doing such incredible things that they're, they're basically beating the machine. If you, if you know what I mean, yeah. but, you know, so, so, so Juventus haven't played well at all. They're, they're, they're way, way down in terms of performances based on this, this, this model, which is very, very accurate. Um, so, so, yeah, I think it was there for the taking for Inter. Um, and I still maintain now that player for player, Juventus and Inter are very, very similar. You know, I think if you, if you picked a starting eleven between Juventus and Inter, you'd have, the same, you'd have the same number of players. I'd probably pick more Inter players than Juventus players. Obviously, Inter don't have a Ronaldo or Dybala and they are two absolutely world, world-class players, you know, in the top, probably the top 10 players in the world. And that, don't get me wrong, that makes a huge, huge difference, that does. Mm. But, um, but, you know, I, I, I think that they shouldn't, Inter shouldn't be too down on not winning the schedule this season because I think that Inter are definitely on the way up, whereas Juventus mm. are definitely on the way down. I mean, you look, look at the age of Juventus' squad, um, you know, they, they're going to need to... They, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to, to that Juventus squad. I mean, a, apart from the centre-back positions, which look really well stacked for, for a number of seasons now, um, there isn't really that much that Juventus can build around in that squad. You know, maybe Benson Kerr at centre midfield. Dybala is still, is still young enough. But most of the team really, you know, needs a lot of work doing. Whereas Inter pretty much that whole squad can be together for the, the most of that first team can be together for the next five seasons, really at their peak. 
apart from maybe Handanovic uh, in goal. The rest of the team, and if you go through it, you know, Skriniar, De Bruyne, Bastoni, you know, the midfielders, um, Lukaku is 26, Lautaro, if he stays, is 22. I mean, these players can be around for a long time. So, so you know, it is a bit of a missed opportunity, but I'm, I'm sure that, the, that they'll be there again um, next season and, th- and they'll be stronger next season for sure. Mm, agree with that. Right. Um, the, as, this is a Monday, the 9th of March, when we're recording this. And as of now, Inter are, um, uh, the game against Inter is, is, is hosting Getafe at, uh, behind closed doors at the San Siro on Thursday. Um, uh, but that could obviously change given the, uh, the developments of the coronavirus. We'll have to wait and see. But um, if that game were to take place, um, Getafe are, doing, are really working wonders um, at uh, in the La Liga and also in the in the Europa League and and they have the, from what I've seen the little I've seen they really remind me a lot of Atletico Madrid and what uh, Diego Simeone has done uh, there uh, with their coach Jose Bordalas and I thought uh, Carlo you've you've spoken quite a bit about them on Twitter and I think I've read something of yours about them as well I thought you might give us a little introduction into them uh, into Jose Bordalas and what he's done at Getafe. Okay, uh, well, I'm I'm not too familiar from them, not firsthand. I haven't watched too much of them, but speaking to people, they are renowned for being a very Diego Simeone-like team. They they they're really tough. They they play, you can call it anti-football, I guess, but they they you know you really know they put you through a war when you play against them. You know they kick lumps out of you. Um, they're they um, I read one statistic that. Apparently, like there's no team in Europe in which, in which the ball is is in play for less minutes than 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 uh, than uh, an Hatafe game. So basically, they they just try and disrupt the game, break up the play, give away free kicks, just make the game as messy as possible. Play off set pieces, you know. They're just a really horrible team to play against. You know, this this these is what all the descriptions are of Hatafe, and they're very very tough teams. So. So, you know, if Inter are going to go through this, they're going to have to fight. They're going to have to show the real classic, you know, Antonio Conte fighting spirit. And certainly a lot more fighting spirit than they showed against Juventus. So, so yeah, um, <laughs> probably not the team you want to play when when, yeah. <laughs> when, when, when when players are looking tired and flat and, you, you know, <laughs> you're complaining about squad depth. So, so yeah, it should, it should be an interesting game um, for, for, from that perspective, for sure. I mean, um, uh, yeah, that's exactly. It's a nightmare opponent for Inter. I mean, in in the in the in this place Inter are in uh, mentally, uh, as they haven't been impressive since January, playing a team that that plays like Simeone against you, which is very similar to Conte himself in the sense that he, you know, you get into this kind of battle mode. That's really not what you want to do. Um, so I'm kind of I'm really nervous about this game. Uh, Max, what are your thoughts? Do you th- do you think Inter will go through? Um, no, <laughs> Inter struggled with Spanish teams. I'm being honest, uh, Inter struggled with uh, Spanish teams in, in Europe uh, over the years. And uh, yeah, I read a couple articles on uh, on Getafe. Um, I think there was one on Paul McDonald's site, Football Critic, about Getafe. It was a couple of weeks ago. It was an excellent article. But there's some similarities with uh, the manager. I think it's, it's Bardales. And, and Conte, like he's he's a real hardo. He runs his players through the ground, like so. Like he, Carlos said, this is going to be a battle. It's not going to be a walk in the park by any means. And you have to have to wonder about uh, our our mentality right now. It's a little fragile. Our, the classic interpsyche. <laughs> you don't know if this is <laughs> right. You don't know. We've seen it in past years. A, a loss like this, and suddenly the season snowballs out of control. It wouldn't be the first time it happened, but. Uh, yeah, it's hard. It's difficult right now with the coronavirus. Uh, you just don't know if the game's going to be played. It's like when you play in your Sunday pub league and there's a team that usually fields six players and the game gets canceled. So, I mean, there's a game scheduled, but you have to expect it not to play. And it's just, yeah, it's just a really difficult situation right now to, to get prepped in. And, it, and if it does go through... It, we're in, we're in some trouble. It's it's going to be difficult to get through. Uh, Mo, uh, you, I mean, you're the, you 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 you're the, you've been advocating about the Europa League, and you've got me uh, going on that. So now 
thanks to you, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> so when we get knocked out. <laughs> so much for being Mr. Positivity. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, I mean, I don't know how much Katafa you watch, but based on what you heard, I mean, isn't this really like a nightmare draw for Inter? Well, look, I mean, uh, they, they are, again, like, had we, had we drawn Getafe in the, in the Champions League uh, second round, you know, had, had this been the Champions League, we would have been uh, smiling and, and cheering that it's not uh, Real Madrid and it's not Barca and Inter were playing in the Champions League. So uh, all things considered about Getafe, Inter are a Champions League level side and, and, and they are not. So... You know, I, I, I understand that they're, they're a tough team. I understand that uh, uh, they are uh, the worst of what, uh, you know, um, what, what, what a Maran Kievo uh, side can, uh, you know, can be uh, in, in, in the worst days. But also, I believe that, you know, if Inter have the self-belief and the, the, the desire to go through, they, they should have the quality to be able to make it happen. You know, I, I, so, so I, I think that it's a good thing. It's a good thing to face a genuine contender this early on because it just gives you belief. Then we're just left with possibly only Manchester United uh, amongst the real remaining contenders in, 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 in the competition if we take Hatafe out. So I'm... I, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm saying that if we do, in fact, come th- come come out of the tie, uh, you know, get into the quarterfinals, then it's it, it's an amazing omen. It bodes very well for for Inter's chances in the competition. Let's put it that way. Mm, that's for sure. Right. Let's just quickly uh, predict, try to predict the first, uh, or let's predict the first leg, uh, how we think it'll end. I think it'll end in a one-one draw. Max. Yeah, I mean, took the words from my mouth. 1-1 one, one for sure. Carlo? I'm going to bring some positivity here. I'm going to go 1-0 uh, Linsa. Mm. Well, what about you, Mo? You're, you're Mr. Positivity, so you got to outdo Carlo now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I can't outdo that. I, I'll say 1-0 Inter. Clean sheet is, again, paramount importance. Uh, so, yeah, 1-0. And Handanovic is back. He was good yesterday against Juve. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that he was. So, so good to have him back in. Non Padelli, who actually got sent off from the bench. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make sure that he doesn't play again. <laughs> he's so tired of the crap he's been getting recently. He just wanted to make sure that, you know, guys, someone else do it. Bernie Stankovic, it's on you guys now. Right, um, let's uh, move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute with the piss out of and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the negativity. This week's Modji, which we presented by Mr. Kalagagan, is. This week's Modji of the Week is Juventus's president, Andre Agnelli, after his quite shocking comments about Atalanta not really deserving to be in the Champions League this season. And I know a lot has been said about this, but um, it's just kind of smacks of the, the whole elitism that you kind of associate with, with Andre Agnelli. I mean, for a number of years now, he's, he's been pushing more than anyone for basically a, a closed European Super League. I mean, that is, let's, let's not pretend anything else. That is what Agnelli wants. He wants a Super League just for the, the super clubs, the richest clubs in the world. And he wants it to be like a franchise, like it is in the, um, you know, the NBA. He wants, you know, no teams to be able to be promoted or relegated. And, and that is just going to be the, the final nail in the coffin of, of, of the beautiful game that we love, that is football. You know, it's, we've seen so many, so many things go wrong in the game, you know, in the last years, you know, corruption, um, you know, these kind of owners from, from various places in the world that, that, that don't really have football's best interests at heart. Um, and, you know, this, this will be the end of football and, and we have to stop him. Um, he's done a fantastic job at Juventus as a president. Don't get me wrong, as a president of Juve, he's, he's done incredible to, to, to resurrect Juve after you know the shambles they'd, be, they'd become at the end of the last decade. 
but um, the decade before that is. But um, but what he's trying to do now with this Super League is it, it has to be stopped. We all have to stop him. I just have to, a lot of stupid nonsense have been said about this, because, especially on social media. And people have been talking about lost in translation into English, etc. I mean, uh, by people who claim to be, who claim to be journalists. And, and I wonder if they really are, because last time I checked, uh, do, being able to Google properly isn't really something you have to pick up in journalism school. Uh, this is because this, this entire interview was available on Google if you Googled it. And you could actually click it, click on it, and pay 19 euros and 99 cents to watch the whole event uh, in London because it was a it was a videotaped event, and it was in English. And Andrea Agnelli's English is absolutely is really really good. It's it's impeccable. He speaks really good English. And I and I took the liberty to to transcribe this particular part of what he said. And he says, and I quote: "You can retain your position at international level, provided that at least domestic level, you would." have at least reached a minimum you know place in the table there are a variety of ways of doing this it is debatable that simply because you sit in a big country you have direct direct access to competitions i have very high regards of what <clears throat> atalanta has done but without a european history with a great performance last year they had immediate access to international competition is that fair or not fair is that right or not right if you miss then i think of italy and roma uh, if, who has contributed a lot in the last couple of years in maintaining the Italian ranking. Uh, they had a bad season, out, which means financial liabilities. So it is also protecting the investments, the cost. So we should never forget that we have, we invest, and we have the long-term consequences of our investments. The guy moderating then asks, Andrea, just to be clear, you would you foresee a future where an Atalanta is less likely to play at the... Yes, the top of the pyramid of the Champions League level because of just uh, because of just domestic performance more than I just want to be clear with what you meant. I don't know, but the point is that he replies, I don't know, but the point is the beauty of this is when we talk about an open and transparent process process I haven't got an answer. Uh, so I appreciate the introduction about me, but that doesn't mean I have the answer to all questions. It is about understanding what is the right balance. So we have an Ajax. You have a team that went to the semifinals of the Champions League, won the domestic league, won the domestic cup, and they went through qualification rounds just because of their club or just because of their country, rather. So the point is how you balance this. What is the contribution you bring to European football and what is the performance of one year? But I haven't got the answer, the precise answer on this. What needs to be understood is how you actually ensure that the virtuous clubs and the ones that are limited by the size of their market can actually thrive and not just be relegated to be player developers for the big teams. Uh, I mean, it's clear what he's talking about. And whoever else tries to tell you something else is just lying or, or at best, at worst, lying or at best, distorting the truth. Well, the thing is, Nima, the thing is, Nima, I always look at the bigger picture. So, you know, I regardless of the context or, or, or whatever, um, the bigger picture is that, you know, I've been following Andrea Agnelli's plans for years. And, exactly. And, uh, I, I mean, as, as, I'm, as I'm sure everyone has here. Um, so it's no secret. Everybody knows what he wants, that he wants a European Super League. He wants a closed European Super League. It's, it's no secret. So, so, you know, even if he was sticking up for us, you know, even if what he said wasn't as bad as it, as it did originally sound, the point is we know what he wants. Um, so, 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 yeah, it's 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 pretty clear. It's pretty clear to me. Um, he literally yeah. says. I mean, I think. I mean, he literally says they ha what they have. He 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 holds what Atalanta has done in high regard, but without a European history, with a great performance last year, they had immediate access to internal competition, to 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 international competition. Is that fair or not fair? Is that right or not right? What, it, it can't get clearer than that, and it's not no. a fair question. The, he, he, by doing that, you're questioning the very basis of sporting meritocracy, which yeah. he then goes on to claim that he's defending. It's so dishonest that I don't even know where to begin with. And he also, and he also says that you know about protecting investments. So, but basically, all he, <laughs> basically all he's saying is that only the clubs that, are, that have got the money to be able to invest. You know, should should they should they should be protected? Whereas if you yeah. haven't got the money, if you haven't got the money to invest, well, it's all right. You know, you haven't spent any money, so you're not worth anything. You know, it's yeah. it's the classic, it's the classic. You know, um, you know, elitism there. Isn't yeah, it, it? it literally is. I mean, I joked on I joked on Twitter um, the other day 
when because um, some of the results in the in the English Premier League this season, I mean, there's a real chance in the Premier League that we could have because Manchester City might be banned um, next season. There's actually a real chance right now that uh, Leicester, um, Wolves, and Sheffield United could all qualify for the Champions League <laughs> next season. I mean, can you imagine Anthony's face? So I, I put out a tweet joking. I said. Like if that actually happens, like you could actually see Agnelli basically doing what Daenerys did in the final episodes of Game of Thrones and just like flying the dragon over every poor person in the world and just like <laughs> just, just <laughs> turning them to ash, basically. But I think you're being unfair, Carlo. I think the dragon's fire was taken out of context. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. It's it's so blatant what he's doing. It's so blatant and what he wants. And he's been quite brazen about it. And I think anyone who tries to tries to put some sugar coat is basically, you know, basically, you know, putting some some perfume on a turd and calling it uh, I don't know what. It's it's just it's it's quite evident what this guy's doing. So <laughs> no doubt. Right. Let's move on to something uh, much more positive. This week's uh, Morati, which we present, presented by Mr. Mohamed Nasser. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. Yeah, so uh, from one president to another, um, this week's Morati, again, in a week of the second consecutive week of very slim pickings, um, our very own uh, Stephen Zhang. Um, uh, first of all, his rant uh, against uh, Dalpino, which I believe we spoke about last week on Instagram, where he called uh, called him a, a clown uh, for trying to put uh, Dalpino, the head of the Serie A, uh, for, for ostensibly uh, compromising public safety and health uh, to favor certain clubs in, in scheduling the matches. When uh, the Inter, when the Derby d'Italia was going to was proposed to be played in front of fans on on the Monday instead of the Sunday, um, so after that epic rant, uh, the man uh, the man goes on uh, uh, an interview and uh, is asked whether uh, you know, of course, you know, a lot of uh, chair shuff- shuffling in one's chairs in Italy, you know, like how these words were were, were taken quite. Um, you know, uh, caused quite a stir, and 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 then he was asked uh, if 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 uh, if he maybe was a bit too harsh in a chance, you know, to roll it back and and, and appease uh, appease the masses. To which uh, Stephen Zhang replied, "No, I don't think I was I was harsh enough. I think uh, safety is always our number one concern." And 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 uh, referring back to uh, to uh, to how his uh, native uh, China has been suffering tremendously because mm. of the. The outbreak and, and and making sure that this is framed in the context of real genuine suffering and and so I I just thought you know uh, like Marotta last week I think uh, Zhang this week uh, did enter good by uh, sticking to their values and uh, you know uh, agree or disagree with what uh, with, with 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 the manner uh, I think that the message is uh, is itself uh, very important and it's important not to be bullied into backing down from from saying something that you truly believe in and means very much to you. So, yeah, he's my Emirati of the week. Nice one, good one. No, I, I agree with that. I, I think uh, sure he maybe the message, the number of emojis in that message were a little bit too many for my taste. But <laughs> he, it felt, I mean, it was a bit childish in, in the, like you said, the form in which he said it. But the message is, is crystal clear. I mean. When you know you have to remember, he's from China. This really hits close to home for him, and the the the, the disrespectful manner in which the city uh, president Dalpino has handled this, and uh, you know the the the, the child the the, the 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 disrespectful way and and kind of blase way that they have handled this, putting so blatantly putting profits and interests before public health and the health of the players, who actually at the end of the day are the ones doing the job, is is quite quite disgusting. Um, so so I think he did. The right thing there. I, I think I, I, the sentiment was was great, and and I gl- I'm, I'm really glad that he he doubled down on it. He said I, he's he's when he says that when, when he goes, my words weren't hard enough. <laughs> I, I I like that. It just shows that he he knows what he's doing. It wasn't just a heat of the moment kind of thing. There's actual thought behind this. Exactly. Mm. Right. Let's uh, move on to something much more comical. This week's frog, which we presented by Mr. Max Deluca. Autogol di Ranocchia! 
Well, the obvious frog of the week uh, was Ronaldinho trying to sneak into Paraguay with a fake passport. But, uh, that was much too obvious. So. Man, I, I forgot. I forgot how good Max's frogs are. Like frogmeister, you've been missed. I, and it's not. It's not just the the topic selection. It's the delivery as well. Amazing. Did you see his mugshot today from Paraguay? Uh, oh my God, Dio mio. <laughs> The best, the best part of it, I think, is the fact that the 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 prison the the prison ward where he's going to stay at their league is going to start their football league is starting next week just in time for him to like join into one of them. Uh, that's classic. <laughs> uh, wasn't the wasn't the policeman that arrested him taking like selfie with him or something? I, I, yeah. I Oh, absolutely. More more than one. There's been numerous. But today his actual mugshot came out and he's just smiling his smile like he's on the field on the pitch for Barcelona scoring against Chelsea. Like, unbelievable. <laughs> My favorite part of all this is that Brazilian citizens don't even need passports to enter Paraguay. Like, that's, that's the most brilliant part of this, is that there was no need for it. I just uh, hope he doesn't go down the road of Adriano. That's that's my only fear because he's such a joyful player, Ronaldinho. Always a smile on his face when he had the ball. He was just, yeah. I just hope he doesn't go down that road. That's my only fear. Yeah, agree. All right, let's get to the actual frog of the week, though. All right. Yeah, go, 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 go. Okay. So the, the actual frog of the week goes to uh, Rangers supporters out in Scotland who decided to. Sh- show solidarity to their manager, Steven Gerrard, by giving him a standing ovation in the eighth minute of last Wednesday's match. And they did it in the eighth minute to match his uh, jersey number from his playing days. So was there somebody ill? Maybe his wife or his father or his mother? Or is there a big event in his life? No. The reason why they stopped the match in the eighth minute to to give him the standing ovation, because... Poor Stevie was going through a tough time as the manager of Rangers because their title chances just went up in flames. So that's not cringeworthy enough. Let's fa- fast forward <laughs> 82 minutes later when he's roundly booed off the pitch and jeered after they lose one nothing to Hamilton Academical. So that goodwill lasted 82 minutes. So well done, Rangers fans. Good to show the world how to stand by your man. Jesus Christ. Oh, that's that, that's a good one. That's a good one. You always pick the best ones. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's I, I, I missed that. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Um, <laughs> thanks, Max. I'd like to thank you for coming on. Don't be a stranger. you got to come on more often. Anytime. Always a pleasure, guys. And, oh, and also, Carlos, thank you so much for coming on. Always a pleasure to have you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. It's great to be with you guys. And uh, it's great to hear from Max again because me and Max go back a, a long way. And... We do, Carlo. And I, I can't believe you're pushing sabermetrics. Met- you're the last guy I thought that would jump onto that bandwagon. <laughs> the apocalypse is truly upon us. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, and as always, Mr. Mo Nasa, Mr. Positivity, I hope that we have some positivity uh, soon to announce. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. And as always, I'm your host, Nimatale Rutsari, wishing you all good health, a, a win, a first leg win in the Europa League, and sempre e solo forza. Passa il Verona!